the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When we trust and obey, eternity is impacted. Your willingness to follow those simple commands, trust and obey, may impact the eternity of someone else in your little corner of the world. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8 is where you'll find our scripture reading today. And it's where I believe we will hear God's call to instantaneous obedience in our lives. So I want to begin with a series of questions that I'm going to ask you over and over and over again during our time together. The first question is this, what is God calling you to do? Where is God calling you to go? Who is God calling you to reach? What is your response to what God is asking us to do? The Christian life is lived out at the intersection of two words. Trust and obey. In fact... I believe my ability to experience God's best and his blessings is directly related to whether or not I'm willing to trust and obey. My ability to experience God's best and his blessings is directly related to my willingness to trust and obey. That's why the old hymn puts it this way. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be what? Happy in Jesus and to trust and obey. And I have to tell you that theologically I've wrestled a little bit with the words of that hymn because I understand that God's word does not promise me happiness in life. As Zig Ziglar used to say, happiness comes from your happenings. And some things happen in life that don't make me very happy. But joy comes from Jesus. But theologically, that word happy is also used to mean blessed. So perhaps you've studied the Beatitudes in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, and you've even heard heard them referred to as the be happy attitudes. Because to be blessed in Scripture means to be happy. And so what that song is saying is if we really want to live the blessed life, if we want to live our best life, we do understand that that comes as a result of our trust and our obedience. And yet... Boy, isn't it easy to see how hard we'll try to get out of those simple tasks of trusting and obeying. 
fact that you recognize this guy. His picture was all over social media this last week. He's a man from Kansas that was arrested for attempted bank robbery. In fact, he went up to the teller. He showed her the gun. He robbed the money, and then he sat down. And when the security guards came, he said, I'm the guy you're looking for. When they asked him what he was doing, he said he would do anything to get away from his wife. He was hoping he could get arrested and put in jail. The judge got the last word, and he sentenced him on this past Tuesday to six months of home confinement. People do anything to get out of doing what is right. What are you doing to keep from trusting and obeying the Lord today? We're not going to look at the entirety of Acts chapter 8, but if you did, you would see, I believe, the different kinds of people that exist in our world. For example, at the beginning of Acts chapter 8, you see Saul, who we will learn becomes Paul after his conversion to Christ. But in Acts chapter 8, in verse 3, he is in no way converted to Christ. And in fact, some of your translations say he is ravaging the church. We could call him closed to the faith, and we all know people like that. Maybe you're here today and you're here at the invitation of someone or out of respect to someone, but you're closed to the faith. You're not really interested. You're like this guy we've just referred to. Then right after that, we meet another man. His name's Philip. That's going to be one of the two men we talk about primarily today. But Philip is committed in his faith. He's one of the deacons from Acts chapter 6. The deacons were appointed to help provide unity in the body, but we realize that Philip did more than just deek because in Acts chapter 8, we see that he's out evangelizing the lost. He's making a difference in his corner of the world. He's a committed follower of Christ. And so perhaps you're here, and I think there are many who are here today that you're committed in your faith. Then we're not going to talk about him, but there's a third guy that you'd meet if you were journeying through Acts chapter 8. His name's Simon, and Simon's introduced to us as the magician. And here's what we know about him. He's confused in his faith. And it's really relevant to our world today because historians tell us that perhaps there's never been a time in human history where there has been more spiritualism, where people have been more interested in spiritual things. And yet many are confused about the real truth, about what makes a difference. And then we meet this guy that we'll call him, not by his name, but just by his title, the Ethiopian eunuch. And we see that he was concerned about his faith. And I believe that every time I stand to teach the word of God, there are those in the room that they're not yet committed followers of Christ. They're not closed to the things of the faith. They may not even be confused, but they're concerned. They know there is a God. They know that they're not God. They know they need a God, but they're not sure how to make that all work together. That's the kind of person that we're going to talk about today. Look at the word of God beginning in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Some of you have come into the room today and if there could be a heading that were scripted across your life right now, it would be that phrase, this is a desert place. It's not somewhere you would want to be. It's not somewhere you've chosen to go. It's a season that you're walking through that you wish you were not in. But in verse 27, it says that Philip, having received that message from God, rose and went to the desert place. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was 
in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep. He was led to the slaughter like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him about the good news of Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now, Philip was one of those deacon servants, as I mentioned, from Acts chapter 6. But from Acts chapter 8, we see that he was committed in the faith. We're reminded that every Christ follower is called to be committed in the faith and sharing that good news that they have in Christ. And when they do, it makes a difference. Look at verse 4. Now, when those were scattered, went about preaching the world, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he proclaimed to them Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said to Philip and when they heard him and saw the signs he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed and then notice this last verse so there was much joy in the city I want you to understand something in principle here it says when they had scattered make sure you recognize that in this moment we are the church gathered That's what we do on the weekends. We gather as the church. But for most of our lives, we are the church scattered. Now, we gather at other times than just Sunday. On yesterday, we gathered in this very room and we celebrated the life of my dear friend Rod Harado. And the Spirit of God was heavy in this place. And it was a time of worship. And there was no question that that just wasn't a service of memorial. That was the church gathered. And today we have come together again and we are the church gathered. But when we leave this place, we will be the church scattered. And the question is, what do we look like when we are the church scattered? When the people of the church are scattered and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, lives are changed for eternity and there is much joy around us. If you look in your little corner of the world and you profess to be a Christ follower and there is not much joy around you, the first thing you should do is hold up the mirror of God's word and ask this question. Do I look like the church is supposed to look when the church is scattered out into my community? So based on what we've already learned about Philip, we see that he's willing to trust. He's willing to obey. He's willing to do those things that God has asked him to do. So what about you? What is God calling you to do? Where is God calling you to go? Who is God calling you to reach? In this passage of scripture, God spoke 
to Philip. In fact, God spoke to Philip twice. He spoke to him first from an angel of the Lord. Look at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, if you've studied scripture much, you know that sometimes when we see this word angel, it does mean one of those winged heavenly creatures, and that's what we like to think about. But in true simplicity, this word angel simply means what? A messenger. So he received a message from the Lord. In verse 29, we see that the Spirit of God spoke to Philip. It says, the Spirit said to Philip. Let me ask you a question. Can God still speak to us today? Is God speaking to you today? Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now... We continue with our message. Now, according to Scripture, the most common way God speaks to us is through His Spirit. That's why we have the Holy Spirit of God. When you hear someone today say, I feel like the Lord is telling me something, what they're trying to verbalize theologically is that the Holy Spirit of God indwelling in me is directing me along the path that I should go. That's what Jesus told us the Holy Spirit would do. In John 16, 13, he said, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. So our job is to listen to trust and obey. This has always been God's plan. He's always been the one directing us. Proverbs teaches us that, right? We make our plans, but he directs our paths. We have our way. We think things should look. But then things happen in life, things that do not catch our God off guard. That's why we learn, and I've given it to you in the King James today because it's the way I've learned it, that we are to trust in the Lord with all thine heart in all Uh, And lean not into thine own understanding. In all thine ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. How does God direct our paths? Well, he does it in any way and every way he can. Sometimes he does it through the still small voice of his spirit. Sometimes he does it through his perfect word. Aren't you grateful that God speaks to us through his perfect word? That's why it's so important that you spend daily time in the Word of God. Because when you do, it'll come alive. You'll say, boy, I didn't realize I needed that today. But God, you you spoke to me just as clearly as if you were standing before me. You spoke to me through the pages of Scripture. He speaks to us through through consecrated thinking. He speaks to us through wise counsel. Have you ever had times in your life where you've needed to know what to do? You've needed God directions and and yet you've known someone who was godly, who studied God's word, who was a person of prayer and, and you go to them and it's as if God himself speaks to you through them. He speaks to us through the circumstances of life sometimes. Sometimes those are good and, and sometimes those are, are not good. 
God does speak to us today. What is God saying to you? I tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying anything contradictory to his word. He's not going to say anything inconsistent with his word. But in consistency with his word, he speaks to us. He's at work in this world around us, and he wants us to get involved and get in on what he's doing. So in verse 26, it says, An angel, a messenger of the Lord, said to Philip, Go. What is God saying to you? I ask you those questions again. What is God calling you to do? Where is God calling you to go? Who is God calling you to reach? Sometimes God speaks to us through a hymn or a song. You ever had those moments? I grew up in a church where we had revival twice a year. By the way, we're going to have a revival here in about two months. Some of you remember years ago when Life Action Ministries came to this church. They're coming again. We're going to have a time for those of us who are Christ followers, just really to seek the face of God, beginning the second week of September. I hope you put that on your calendar and you plan to be a part of that. But twice a year at our church growing up, we would have a season of revival. And those services of revival, there would always be an invitation hymn. And those invitation hymns might be just as I am, like they sang at the Billy Graham Crusades. Or it might be softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Or it might be, wherever he leads, I'll go. And I can remember some of the most important spiritual decisions in my life were in those moments where my hands were getting sweaty and they just tried to hold on tight to the pew in front of me. I began to feel that lump in my throat, that knot in my tummy, because I was was sensing that God was speaking to me in that moment. Some of you know this story, but... When God called us to be pastor of this church, we had it all worked out in the flesh. We, we had all the details because we wanted this to be as smooth as possible. So when I talked to the leaders of this church and we planned this event, I said, here's what we need to do. When we come to visit, make sure my kids have a lot of fun. So if God does this, when we tell them about it, we can say, hey, we're going back to that fun place. And you as a church obliged. I'm just telling you, we came to visit. We went to Disney. We saw the St. Louis Cardinals play the Detroit in in Lakeland. Uh, We went to Bush Gardens. We went to the beach. I mean, it was a blast. And in the flesh, I had it all figured out. And sure enough, God called us here. And so we had begun to tell our children. I met with our son Micah and began to share with him. And now it was time to talk to our second oldest, Caleb. And I was going to talk to him out at a ball game or a ball field as his two younger brothers were at practice. And so they were on the ball fields practicing, and I was sitting in the stands with Caleb, and I said, Caleb, you remember that great place we went on spring break? He said, oh, yeah. I said, you remember all those fun things we did? He said, yeah. I said, Bush Garden, yeah. Disney, love it, Dad. And we saw the Cardinals. We saw Albert Pujols. He said, yeah, it was great. I said, Caleb. He said, what? I said, we're moving there. And he screamed, No! If I'm lying, I'm dying. Within a second, a lightning bolt came down. Thunder began to clap. The heavens opened, and it was a downpour. Caleb was sitting on the stands crying. The last thing I heard him say was, Dad, these people need Jesus too. (laughs) Ripped my heart out. He was crying. I was crying. Noah and Luke began to run off of their respective fields because practice was canceled 
they were looking at us like, what's going on? I said, be quiet. We just got in the car. They sat in the back seat. Caleb was sitting in the front seat. We were both sobbing. I just turned on the radio and began to drive off, and we began to hear these words. All your ways are good. All your ways are sure. I will trust in you alone. Higher than my side, high above my life, I will trust in you alone. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. I will follow you. (laughs) Caleb just turned and began to glare at me. I said, I didn't do it, son. That's the radio. (laughs) But God allowed me to live long enough to watch my son use that testimony of how God spoke to him in that moment and let him know that it would be okay. Let him know that he was in the process. See, God still speaks to us today. And it may not be through an angelic being It may be through a song. It may be through a devotion, a prayer, a sermon, a Bible study, a a still small voice. What is God saying to you? I'll tell you this, usually when God's speaking to us, he's telling us to do something that aligns us with his will that is already in progress. Do you understand that? Usually when God speaks into our life, he's just trying to get us in sync with that which he is already doing because he's a sovereign God. Remember what we've said, we make our plans, but it's he that directs our steps. So in verse 26, he tells Philip, rise and go toward the south of the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Now, you notice that this part is in quote, this is a desert place, was apparently added by Dr. Luke as commentary. In other words, this is a desert place. Who would want to go there? Who would want to trust the voice of God? Who would want to be obedient and do this? We're reminded that God's call is never impeded by our comfort. I want you to understand today that it's very likely that God is calling you in this moment to step out of your comfort zone to stretch you for your good and for his glory. His call may be unfamiliar. It may seem untimely. And it may even be unclear. I think of this call of Philip and I hearken back to the call of Abram. Remember what God did when he called Abraham? He said, I want you to go to the land that what? I will show you. In other words, God's call doesn't always even give us a definite understanding of what he's up to. But God wants us to follow his direction even when we don't know the destination. What is God calling you to do today? When God speaks, we only have two decisions. Remember what they are. Trust. And obey. So Philip answered God's call. In fact, in verse 26, when the messenger, the angel of God spoke, it says he arise and went. When the Spirit of God calls him, just a few verses later, what does it say he did? He ran. 
I want to have that simple obedience. I want to run after the will of God. I want to hasten to the chariot as he did. So you have to ask, what was God up to? What was God doing in the moment? What could take place as a result of that simple obedience? Well, don't miss the point here. Philip's obedience impacted eternity. When we trust and obey, eternity is impacted. Do you understand that today? Your willingness to follow those simple commands, trust and obey, may impact the eternity of someone else in your little corner of the world. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.